about, and I just want to encourage you, is that there will be a lot of kind of hot topic issues that the book actually covers. Uh, obviously, the book wasn't talking about our culture and our generation, but it very much applies to us. And so politics, uh, women in ministry, uh, church leadership, uh, the false doctrine, false teaching, there's a lot of things that it covers. And so uh, I'm anticipating getting a lot of encouraging emails over the next couple of weeks as we hit some uh, hot topic issues. That was a joke. Y'all awake? Y'all here? Okay. I don't know about that. So anyway, I think it'll be pivotal, all right, for us as a church and kind of pivotal for us as a body. And so I hope that uh, you're here, you invite people. I actually think that the gospel will be very plain as we go through 1 Timothy and to be able to see the implications of the gospel and what it looks like as we live out our lives in the midst of this world and even try to establish as a church, all right? And so that will be our next sermon series. Uh, Happy Mother's Day today. All right. Um, you guys, uh, mothers have the second hardest job in the world, all right, behind being the savior of the world, okay? And so uh, we really appreciate you guys. Um, also, uh, happy Mother's Day to my baby mama right there. All right. She's cute as always. All right. And so here we go. Let's dive in. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, uh, the idea of the church today and what does that look like. And so we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, there should be some under every second and third seat somewhere around you. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, I want you to take and to keep that. That's our gift to you. We want you to have the word to be able to use it. And so please, please take that Bible and use that. Um, you can also follow along on your smartphone if you wish. If you have the Version app, underneath the tab section, click on events, uh, type in the well Austin, you'll be able to follow along that way. Uh, or if you don't have that app, you can actually take this link and put it right into your browser. Uh, there's notes, all the scripture that we're going through is going to be there today. And so uh, we want you to have the word and to be able to see it. Uh, I say this every week, but we mean it, is that, man, we want you to see that what we're saying isn't just from our own fruition or we're not just kind of saying things, but that we want to be in submission as a church to the word of the Lord, really believing that these are God's words directly to us and how to live life and how to uh, live out the gospel and how to believe in him. And so we want you to be seeing that in any way possible. So feel free uh, to go to 1 Corinthians. So um, let me kick us off kind of helping you know how to land and how to apply this sermon today, okay? Uh, for some of you, the topic that we're covering uh, isn't going to give you a whole lot of new thought or who, a whole lot of new material, or it's not going to give you a, a lot of uh, new insight, if you will. But what I hope, the way you apply this, is that you would actually, in turn, preach this to other people. Because what I see very rare today is somebody who's an advocate of the issue that we're talking about today, which is the church. All right. I see very, very, very few advocates. I see advocates for a lot of other things, even within Christendom, even amongst Christians. We see advocates for social justice, and that's a good thing to be an advocate for. We see advocates for correct doctrine, and we see advocates for reform theology or dispensationalism or whatever it may be. We have all these advocates, but I don't see many advocates talking about the church. And so what I hope today is that you see some of the importance of the church, and that even if you don't get anything new, if you will, that you would in turn be an advocate for the body of Christ, okay? For others of you, what I think is going to come is going to be kind of a challenge to a lot of us and a lot of the way that we perceive uh, the church and what that looks like. And so I would encourage you, if that's you, if, if this is challenging to you, not to wrestle with me, but to wrestle with the scriptures say. That's why I say I want your eyes on the word because I want you to see we're not making some of the stuff up that we're going to say today because I think that a lot of us have a very skewed perception of what the church is, uh, uh, what, why, why the Lord established it, why even we as the well exist kind of as a microcosm church amongst the greater church as the whole, the kingdom of God. And so I want you to see that, okay? 
Um, I personally think, personally, and I know that a lot of people would agree with me, that uh, the church is the least understood doctrine in American evangelical Christianity today. Okay, and so when I say doctrine, there's a word I'm going to use. It's called ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is just the study of the church, all right? And so it's how we, uh, what we know about the church, how it's structured. I think that it is the least known doctrine in all of uh, evangelical Christianity, though in irony, all of us are a part of or at least attend, even if it's just this morning for the first time, a church. And so though it's in our lives, we don't know a whole lot about it. Even more than this, I actually think that poor ecclesiology is the biggest threat to Christianity in America today, okay? Not politics, not the economy, not different doctrines that are going on in the Christian faith, not gender issues, not the Constitution and how we use it, not any of those other things. I genuinely think that the thing that is destroying Christianity in America today the most, the thing that's having the most impact is a very, very poor ecclesiology. And I think that we have this, this kind of terrible, this really miserable understanding of what the church even is, what its functions are, why it exists, even the way that we interact with the church is, is very, very poor, okay? And I think that it's a threat, which is why I want to kind of hit on it today as we talk about relationships. I don't know if there can be a greater relationship that we should be focused on and make sure it's secure and good than that of the church and our involvement in the church, okay? So to kick us off, you don't have to turn here. These are going to be on the screen, but I want to read just a few just uh, uh, scriptures just to get our minds on it. So Acts chapter 20 verse 28 says this, Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, the flock is the church, okay, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And so Jesus' blood purchased the church. Like that's what, we kind of know that, but it was the church holistically. When he saved you, he put you into a church universal. And so it was his blood that purchased the church. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, for the church. Jesus died for the bride, which was the church kind of holistically, the church as a whole. Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay? Jesus didn't promise that the gates of hell will not overcome your Bible study. Jesus didn't promise that the gates of hell won't overcome your missional community or, or your community group or, or your, your, your service project or whatever it may be. He promised that the gates of hell would not overcome the church, right? It was the church that Jesus died for and it is the church that Jesus protects. That's important that we get that, okay? It's the church that Jesus died for and it's the church that Jesus protects. Yes, he died for you, but because you are a part of the church, if you are called elect and chosen, you have to understand this, okay? All throughout scripture, we see this, all right? Acts shows the, the explosion of the gospel and immediately following that, we see the establishment of church after church after church. In fact, all throughout Acts, we see this idea of the church being established and gathered. Almost every single New Testament epistle is written to the church, and even when they're not written to the church, they're written to somebody who is over the church about how to run the church, and so all throughout the New Testament, what we see, any book you go into, it's written to the church as a whole. It's this idea of the church, right? Jesus in the book of Revelation in chapters two and three is writing letters to who? The churches, 
right? Not to individuals, not even to the leaders, not to, but to the churches as a whole. And he says, hey, messengers, take this to the churches. I want the whole church to know this. So Jesus talks about the church and on and on and on we can go. The church is a big, big deal. And we act like that it's just something nice that we can kind of do whenever we want to do, that we can think about it however we want to think about it and not really have a big impact in our lives. We don't really have the same value that scripture puts on church and our own personal lives, I would have to argue. And if you study church history, you would know that a poor ecclesiology is always leading to Christianity sort of crumbling, either because they try to overestablish the church and make it a political structure like we saw with the Roman Catholics, right, in the 16, 15, 1400s, the, the dark age and there was all this corruption that happened or because they didn't really care that much about the church and they began to disassemble the church and in disassembling the church, they were disassembling the body of Christ and Christianity ceased to be there. You only need to look to Western Europe right now, our friends across the sea, to see the sad state of Christianity. And if you look at what started happening, it was the disassembling of the church. It was some churches being a little bit too protective and not being missional like God had called them to. And it was other ones saying, you know what? Church doesn't really matter, right? The church was so vital though to the furthering of the kingdom. And it's so important for our, our, our own personal growth even. Like if we want to grow as Christians, we have to be committed to and dedicated to a church. Now you may think that that may be a little bit of a stretch, but there are 59 one another commandments in the New Testament. Love one another, serve one another, honor one another. And there's all these different one another's. And over half of them, about 53% of them, you can't even do unless you're involved in a local church. It's impossible to do isolated from the body of Christ as a whole, which we'll look at some today. And so if you've been here, you've heard me preach a sermon before, okay? But that's because I'm afraid that our culture's view of the church is really killing our joy in Christ because it's making us really uh, confused about what the church should be as a whole. You need the church in order to walk deeply with Christ. Matter of fact, you need the body as a whole. You need us as individuals that make up the body in order to walk deeply in our relationship with the Lord. Like, listen, I say this all the time and I'll say this all throughout the sermon. You need me. And I deeply need you and we need each other if we're going to grow into the fullness of Christ. Go to Ephesians chapter four. Here's the thing, I'm just making that statement up. In Ephesians chapter four, verse uh, 15, it says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, that's the church, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We need each part of the body working properly if we are to grow and build ourselves up in love. We need the church as a whole. Now, who is the head of the church? All right, five people listening. All right, come on, right? Christ is the head of the church. Okay, and so we see that. And uh, Will Walker, who's a pastor in Austin, and uh, he's an author of uh, The Gospel-Centered Life, he says this. He says, people say things like, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. And that is true, right? But if you say that enough, you begin to realize the implication of that is that the church is somehow not necessary for the Christian life. That you can follow Jesus without being connected to his church. Here's the problem with that. You can't separate Jesus from his church. He is the head of the body. So to say you want to follow the head without a body is to decapitate your faith. You can't do that. 
That is impossible to do, right? If Christ is the head, and if you're a part of the church, then you, by definition, are a part of the body, which means you are a part of the church. If you are a Christian, you want to grow, you have to be connected to a body. This is an important thing. And why would you try to isolate yourself from those who would call you out in love or convict you of your sin or spur you on in righteousness or lift you up when you're down? Like we need each other. When Satan wants to destroy you, he isolates you from your community. Read Hebrews chapter 313 if you want reference for that. He will pull you away from other people and try to isolate you and that's when you become destroyed. Jesus' main plea and the high priestly prayer in uh, John chapter 17 is for the unity, for the gathering, that we would all become one, that we would all be united together. Paul was trying to plant and establish as many churches as humanly possible. Like on and on and on and on we can go. Right? All throughout the scriptures, we see this idea of this elevation of the church, the, the local body, the church universal, yes, but even the local body, the, the small microcosm of the church as a whole, we see the importance and the value of it. Listen, friends, the church is vital to your life in Christ. The gospel saves you, yes, and then it places you inside the church. It is vital. You need this. The church is God's main way of sanctification even. To be a part of from the church is to ignore God's main way of increasing faith in your life. So think about it, like personal devotion is great, right? Like time in the word, time in prayer, uh, fasting, meditation, whatever it may be. Like those are good things, but nothing replaces the church, friends. Nothing replaces the church. You need the body to be a part of the body, <laughs> It's vital. God's army doesn't enlist privates. Let's put it like that. We need each other, kind of whole collectively, right? It's together with all the saints. Ephesians chapter three, verse 18, one of my favorite verses. Together with all the saints that you would know the height, breadth, width, and depth of the love of Christ. If you wanna know the fullness of Christ, you do it with all the saints. Not by yourself, not isolated, but together, and on and on and on and on. I'm belaboring this point, okay? Now, there's many reasons, all right, why we don't honor the church in the way that I think that we should, okay? One of the biggest threats, though, is coming from within. So we can name a lot of reasons why we have poor ecclesiology and, and why we don't hold the church in the way that we should, but one of the biggest threats is from within ourselves, and it's this idea of consumerism, okay? We take the idolatry of America, and we establish it or place it into the church, and we become consumers, so our poor ecclesiology on American philosophies lends us to think, what can I get out of the church rather than what can I give to the church? I mean, think about that. Like, isn't that what you think about often? What does this church have for me? What can I get out of the church? Which sounds very anti-gospel, does it not? The gospel says that we serve others, we give up our lives, we lay down our life for the sake of others, we consider others more significant than ourselves. But for some reason, our philosophy of consumerism gets placed into the church and we become idolatrous, thinking, what has the church done for me? Okay, let's get into our text. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I think that Paul in a lot of ways addresses this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're gonna read almost this whole chapter. We're gonna start in verse four. Paul says this. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. And to another by faith, 
or to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who appoints to each one individually as he wills. Now, when the Lord, when he saved you, he gave you some spiritual gifts, okay? And these gifts, what they were was to edify the body, right? As a quick side note, do you see here in this passage where it says, all of this is for the glory of God. And so all of these gifts are actually for the glory of God. They're not to make you feel happy, all right? They're not to encourage you, though that does happen because God's glory is our joy. Ultimately, what we focus on is the glory of God, that these gifts are meant to highlight Christ. And this is encouraging, okay, because that means every single single one of you in here, listen to me, every single one of you in here has been given something by the Lord that you may make much of him. You have eternal significance. You have eternal value and worth. That should have got at least one amen, right? Like you have something because a lot of times I know what happens is that we tend to think, oh, I don't really have much. I don't really know what I have to offer. And this passage says, no, that's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. You have been given great significance, great value. God has placed inside of you a gift that you may make much of his name. That's a glorious thing right? We'll hit more on that in a second. But even if it doesn't feel like it, even if you think, I don't know what I have to offer, like you have a lot to offer, okay? Notice though, that these gifts are meant for the edification of the church, not for the person as an individual, not for your own personal edification, right? You see there in verse seven, right? Now, no doubt this should encourage you too. Your gift should encourage you, right? But in verse seven, it says, it's for the common good, Right? Not just your good, but the common good. Or that Greek phrase can be translated uh, the, the, the wholeness or, or all, everyone. For the good of everyone, for the good of everybody around us, this is why you've been given gifts. In fact, in chapter 14, which we're not going to read today, but Paul goes through how we should do church in order and in structure so that everybody may be edified. And he says, let everybody use his gift appropriately, not wildly, not crazily, but let everybody use his gift that you may all be built up as a whole. God wants all of us to be built up. So Paul in a moment is going to go into the analogy of a body, okay? He's going to say, hey, we're a body of Christ. And we saw that already in Ephesians. He likes this analogy, okay? And so think with me for a moment. If you have been given spiritual gifts, if we are a body of Christ, let's pretend that you're a knee, okay? Like a knee, right? In case you didn't know what I was saying, okay? Uh, does the knee exist just for itself? Or does the knee exist to edify the body as a whole? Good job, <laughs> right? I need a little bit of talking today, all right? Um, the knee is, if the knee was just a knee for the sake of being a knee, it would have no real significance or purpose, right? Like if I brought up a knee and just left it there, it wouldn't do anything. Are you tracking with that? Like it would just be a knee, okay? The knee is fascinating because of what it supports, which is the body as a whole. We all of a sudden become really fascinated with the knee and the knee is very important to us because we realize it's significant, but it's significant when it's attached to the body, not when it's detached from the body. We need it to be attached, right? God bless Steph Curry's knee, all right? Some of y'all like, did he just speak in tongues? <laughs> All right, so this is true of you too, okay? Your gifts are not just for you. Your gifts are not just for your own edification to be isolated all by yourself. They are useless if they're just for you, okay? It would be like a knee sitting up here. What's the value? 
What's the significance? What is this? Therefore, the common good or for the good of all. I need your gifts and you need my gifts and we need each other's gifts if we're gonna be built up into the fullness of Christ, right? Matter of fact, go to Hebrews chapter 10 really quickly. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Listen, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Are you neglecting the gathering, not realizing that in doing so, you're leaving us without a knee? In your neglecting of the gathering, because church just doesn't really matter that much, you know, it's not really that important. I can be a Christian without going to church. I don't really need to do this. I'm just really tired. I just really, or whatever excuse we may make up, you leave us without a knee. And that's a really messed up body. Now we can still exist, right? All the other parts can kind of make up for, but it's lacking big time. We need you. This is why this is important, friends, because I need your gifts in order to be whole in Christ. And we need each other's gifts collectively. This is important. We need each other. So you're not just being selfish. You're hurting the whole body. And that's why Paul was so strong against this type of behavior and why the author of Hebrews wrote the same thing. We need each other. You were not given this faith or these gifts to be selfish with. Quite the contrary, you were given these gifts to be selfless with, to pour into and to love into others. So the consumer mentality will have us thinking, well, what have you done for me recent, recently? But could you imagine if the church was the exact opposite? Like what if the church was made up of 100, 150, 4,000, whatever church you may be in, individuals where every single person that walked in thought, how can I serve somebody else today? Do you know how freaking encouraged you would be every time you walked into the church, right? Like this would be a place that you would never want to leave. You would never want to leave the collective gathering. Remember, it says don't neglect to meet together, to gather together. So yes, we are a church Monday through Saturday too, and we'll talk about that. But even the gathering, like you would never want to leave it. You have enough encouragement, exhortment, love, challenge, rebuke, uh, 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 everything that you need for a whole month in one Sunday, if every single person came in thinking, how can I use my gifts to edify those around me? How can I use my gifts to bless those around me? But listen, isn't it ironic? If you were to do that, do you know how encouraged you would be too? It is better to give than receive. You would be giving and feeling the blessing of the Lord, but then you would spur one another on to do that exact same thing and you would be built up by the body of Christ. This is Christ's design. This is what the Holy Spirit inspired the, the New Testament authors to write about was the establishment, the gathering of the church. And so we have to be with one another. We, we have to, to do what our heart craves, which is to be unified and to love one another. Let's keep rowing. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again. Let's pick it back up there in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, if you think that's confusing, just read that statement a bunch of times. You'll see the profoundness of what Paul's saying, right? So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, 
that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged, who arranged this? God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as who chose? The gifts that you have have been given to you by the Lord, friends. And he chose it on purpose because he's arranging something beautiful in us. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. We all need the gifts coming together to make up the whole. Like, could you imagine just one big giant eye? That's awkward, all right? Like, when we read that, we're supposed to chuckle at that because Paul really is playing with us there, right? Like, imagine one giant eye. That is useless and kind of strange looking, right? And Paul says that's what happens when we, when we isolate ourselves, when we're not connected to a body and the body to one another. So think about it. Even if you're just trying to grow by yourself, you're having quiet times, you're, you're, you're spending time with Jesus, you're you know, uh, uh, spending time in meditation and silence, and, and you say, you know what, I don't need the church. I'm going to go out to the nature on Sundays, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go be with God. And, and even if you're building yourself up, like those are all really, really good things. But you know what you're doing? You're becoming one big fat eye all by yourself. That's useless, right? Now here's what would be better. Okay, what would be better is that you would be building yourself up like that, but then attached to the body. Because then you'd be a really strong eye for us that we may be able to walk more fully in Christ. You tracking with that? So man, eat your carrots so we can see better. Like we want that, right? We want you to do that, but you need to be connected to the whole. We need each other. Friends, I need you. I need you. I need you to love Jesus. I want to love Jesus, and that requires you to help. Man, we need each other, right? I need you to, to, to give me encouragement and to, to give me love and to give me support and to give me accountability and to give me discipleship. I need you to love on my girls because by myself, I'm not sufficient to do that. But when you pray for them and, and love them and take care of them and you put up with Micaiah's fits when you're in children's ministry, man, thank you because you're helping to build us whole and collective, like, I need you. I need you to lead me in the singing of songs. Because singing songs by myself in the car is kind of cool, but it's not like it was this morning a little bit ago. There's something different about that. I need your gifts because your brother can't sing. <laughs> right? So I need you to be leading me into that. I need you to be loving and welcoming to me. Do you know how many days I come feeling spiritually attacked and some of you says, hey, how are you? And I go, good, man, thank you. And you literally lift me up. Like, I need that. How many of you in here, you don't need to raise your hand, okay? But how many of you in here came in here down this morning? Something was going on, something happened external that was really affecting you. Maybe you just weren't feeling it. Maybe you didn't even know if you believed in God this morning. And you came in and maybe even just in small fragmented ways, imperfect because we are fallen individuals, but yet being made whole in Christ, you were just built up even just a little bit. Even if it's just for a little moment, isn't that worth it? We need each other. We need the body. A giant eye is pointless and it's strange. But when it's connected to the whole, it is beautiful. And it gives the body sight. At the same token, a body without an eye is in trouble. And we can feel our way around in darkness and we can rely on our other senses. In fact, oftentimes what happens to the human body is that if a person is blind, let's just say, his other senses heighten. 
And so sometimes I could see it being a part of a church plant. When we had 11 people, like there were people that did not have certain gifts that were able to function in that because they were like heightened. But then as these new people came in with these gifts, man, it started being more and more beautiful in crazy ways. A few people who were at the early stages of the church are smiling right now because they know that's true, right? But then God starts building the body, arranging it for the common good of all. And we become more whole, more complete. We need each other. Okay, we need each other. God has not given you gifts to be greedy with. This is the importance of you being connected to the church. It's not just about you, it's about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God to be expanded. And so I hope you see how important you are to the body. Okay, I'm not trying to come down hard on you only. Like, I'm saying this because you're important to us. We need you and you need us. You can't be a knee by yourself. You can't be an eye by yourself. You need the body as a whole. Right? God has given a variety of gifts, as we saw in verses 4 and 6, and all the gifts make up all the different body parts working together to have a healthy body. Let me give you an honest example from this past week. Uh, in community group on Tuesday, we're meeting, and there was a girl in our group who she shared, uh, she spoke four times, okay? Three of the four times that she spoke, I saw something in scripture that I had never seen before. No joke. Now, do you know what we were talking about in our community group? The sermon that I preached last week, okay? She looked at it for 17 minutes and saw three things that I had not seen in like 15 hours of study. That's fascinating. Like that doesn't make me feel weird or guilty or anything. That makes me feel really, really uh, loved by God that he would put her there at that moment to edify me. Because I love when I see things in scripture and I go, that's awesome, right? Like this was super, super encouraging. And she was looking at it for 17 minutes. I think she probably has the gift of knowledge, I think that she could see things in scripture that usually takes most of us several hours and just a few minutes. This is an encouraging thing. Now, just so that she doesn't get a big head in here, okay, she needs us too though, right? What is knowledge by itself? You just know a bunch and you're sitting in your room knowing a bunch. What is that, right? But when she starts sharing it with others, she gets to build up the church. And then when we start encouraging her and pressing into her and coming around her, the church becomes complete. We need each other, right? We as a church need each other, which, listen to me real quick too, okay? Um, sorry, this is a soapbox, side point, okay? Man, please do not, do not speak negatively about the church. Do not speak negatively about the church. If you slander the people in the church or, or slander the church, not just the well, I'm talking about churches in general, you really need to stop doing that. You have to stop doing that. God has chosen you out of the world and placed you into the church for a reason, okay? And he's done it that you may clothe the church, not point out her nakedness. We need you to stop talking negatively about us, the body of Christ, right? It, it would be like God talking about Jesus. I heard a pastor named Eric Mason up in, up in uh, Philadelphia say this. Like, it'd be like God talking negatively about Jesus. Like, Jesus is down on earth and God and the Holy Spirit talking and he's like, I told you, man, that dude's tripping. I knew when I sent him down, like what kind of sense? Does, that's foolishness, isn't it? That's foolish talk. Why? Because Jesus is God and God is Jesus. They are one and the same. If God were slandering or talking negatively about Jesus, he'd be talking about himself. When you are talking about the church, you're a part of the church. You're talking about yourself. What kind of foolishness is this? We need you to be building up the church. Maybe the reason why you see where the church is naked is because God has given you the gifts to clothe the church. 
So then instead of talking bad about it and being a consumer, how about you serve the church and build her up where she's naked and clothe her and make her beautiful and make her more whole? Off soapbox. Let's finish, okay? Pick it back up in verse 22. On the contrary, so talking about the body, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed the church first apostles and then prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. And he goes into the importance of love, okay? Now, I love this last section because I know what some of you may have been thinking. We hit on it earlier, right? Like, I don't really have any gifts. I don't, I don't see how, how my gifts edify or, or add value to the church. And Paul says, that's not true. Just like the parts of the body that we deem less honorable, we clothe more. In case you're not, not sure what Paul's talking about there, he's talking about your private parts, okay? We would seem those as kind of like less honorable, but in actuality, we honor them by clothing them even that much more. And so he says, hey, some of you may feel like, ah, like I'm not a teacher. Like I can't hop up and teach or I can't hop up and sing. Like what do I have to offer? And Paul says, don't think like that because you actually have a great amount to offer. God has placed a certain gift in you that you may build up the church as a whole. Like let me give you a recent example. There's a guy in our church named Stephen. And a few months ago, he got into a motorcycle accident and had to get his leg amputated. Okay. Now, I met with Stephen. I talked about discipling Stephen, talking about putting him in a group with some of the guys that, that were doing this thing called Disciple Leader together. Like, I, I, I knew Stephen. Like, 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 we started kind of becoming friends a little bit. We ran to each other at a coffee shop a few times. And when I heard that, I was like, man, that really stinks. What am I preaching on this week? And I immediately went on to something else, okay? Now, you may think, man, this dude's shady. I don't want him to be my pastor, <laughs> all right? But here's the deal. Every time I take a spiritual gift test, I come out with a zero for mercy, all right? Mercy is a spiritual gift, and I literally have, like, no mercy, all right? I'm just like, oh, whatever, that stinks. Let's go to the next thing. Because a lot of times I view like that with myself, right? I'm like, oh, whatever, let's just keep moving. Like, I got hurt, oh, whatever, let's just keep moving. And that's just kind of how the Lord has wired me in some ways, Right? But there were people in Stephen's community group, mainly uh, uh, Chris and Gretchen Chan, who, who was calling me and, and texting me, and they went to the hospital, and they were trying to set up a, a GoFundMe account to help him, and they brought a, together a bunch of people to help him move, and there was one day where I did my pastoral duty to go visit him in the hospital, all right, and I'm walking up, and, and Tristan Woods was in there, and he said, I just wanted to come visit, like, you know, he's not being asked to do this, he's just going, why? Because these people have the gift of mercy, that's what Stephen needed at that time. He didn't need a sermon. He needed mercy. He needed somebody to come say, man, that really stinks. Man, I'm hurting with you. Man, I don't even understand. Can I just be here with you? Can I help in some way? Can I, can I, can I, can, what do you need? What do you, what do you need from us? What do you need from me? And it was helpful. And so then Gretchen keeps texting me, right? Every week, giving me a little status update. Hey, they're moving this day. Hey, he's in the hospital this day. Like, I need that. Because if the body is just Tory, 
we're, we're, we're screwed. <laughs> All right? And if the body were just Tristan, man. Or if the body were just Chris or just... But when collectively we get to come together, that's what makes us whole. And so a lot of times we think, oh, mercy isn't as valuable as something like teaching, but that's just not even true. Every part of the body needs, it needs other parts of the body to be functioning well, that we may be whole in Christ. You tracking with that? And so don't think like, if you think oh, I can't sing or, or teach, what am I supposed to do? Like you have probably been given a lot of gifts that would really help edify the body as a whole. There are so many beautiful and kind of wonderful things that we need in the church, right? Just this morning, I was uh, uh, looking at uh, my time hop, don't judge, all right? And I'm looking at it, and I realized that three years ago today, Tommy ran a trailer into the side of my house, okay? <laughs> now, that sounds funny, all right? But at the time, Tommy was literally serving every single Sunday for about like 50 consecutive weeks. No weeks off, no vacations, because he was the only one with the truck, and he never complained. People were like worried about him. People would text me like, can we find somebody? I'm worried that Tommy's gonna burn out, right? But Tommy has a gift of service. We don't even have church if he decides like, you know what, I'm not trying to serve today. Like we have nothing, it's just gonna be me screaming and the band yelling and that's it, right? There's no chairs. We're just gonna be standing around saying kumbaya, right? Like we need each other. So I can, I can point out so many things. This week in children's ministry, we had, uh, what is it? Hand, foot, and mouth disease or however you say that, right? And, and Eileen, one of our children's ministry directors, uh, emailing the parents, calling the parents, telling everybody, hey, be careful, look out for this. This is what's going on. Jake was calling uh, uh, one of the, the parents that got uh, uh, affected by it, right? Like there's all these people coming together to make up the body as a whole. Don't you see the beauty of the church? I mean, I can name stuff about a bunch of you in here. How you serve or the gifts that you bring, your, your desire to start certain ministries or your desire to serve in certain ways or your desire to be administrative. Man, thank you for that because I can't do none of that junk, all right? I forgot to put up the scripture today that Kyle was reading. He was reading in a different language, right? Like I forget simple administrative tasks, okay? Like we need each other in so many ways, all right, and so this is important, okay? This is what it points us to. As we all gather together for the church, we're, we're, we're uh, collectively showing off the beauty of the God, right? You guys get the picture? The beauty of God as a whole, we're showing that off. And do you know even greater, friends, the beauty of the church? Like, think about this. When we're, we're talking about how does the relationships apply into the gospel, like, think about the beauty of the church and what the church shows. Not only does the gospel affect the church because once you got saved, you got placed in it and been given gifts. That's a very beautiful thing. But think about how the gospel reframes our mind around the church as a whole. You were separated from God at one point. If you don't know Jesus in here today, if you're wrestling your relationship with him, if you've not called him Lord and Savior, scripture says, I mean, you've been separated from God. You've been separated from the head. You're a body with no head, which means you're dead. Like you need the head, you need the source of life. And all of us in here at one point in our lives were, were separated from God and from the body. But God, because of his great love for us, gave us Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Jesus came down to earth and he was separated from God. Listen to me, Jesus was separated from the one thing that actually represents the body as a whole, which is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit work together perfectly. They make up a complete and perfect whole. And Jesus was separated from that so that you who are separated from the body can be brought in and made one. This is a beautiful thing. We who had no body can now be made as a whole. The blood of Christ, the ripping and the tearing of Jesus' physical body brought together a spiritual body 
where now we can be one in him. This is a beautiful thing. We're one, we're becoming complete. This is why we even share the gospel because we long to make much of Jesus and we also long for the body to be more complete, to be made more whole. That the sheep who are not a part of us yet would come in, that we would see the body made even more pure, even more beautiful. The gospel frees us and makes us one again. Why in the world would you isolate yourself then? Why would you be like that person without a body? Jesus' body was broken to prevent that. Man, accept that gift. That is a beautiful, wonderful gift. And so I have a very simple application for us today, okay? If you're not plugged into a local church, if you're not a part of a body, or if you just come sporadically, you're just kind of jumping all around, you don't really care, man, can I please encourage you? Can I implore you from the scriptures? Plug in somewhere, okay? It does not have to be the well. Hear me saying that very clearly. Like maybe you don't connect, maybe this isn't the place. I mean, that's great. Find a place not that just feeds you, okay, but a place where you can feed others, a place where you can serve. Go find a place where you can serve. Man, if that's the well, man, praise the Lord. We really didn't plan this, but we're starting Covenant Community next week, all right? Like that's just God's sovereignty. I'll just place it on that, okay? Man, join up with us, like run with us, but find a place where you can plug into. It is vital for your growth, okay? And if this is your home and you haven't found full ways to serve or you feel convicted, say, hey, I want to serve more. What does that look like? How can you do that more? Okay. I had a a chart. I'm not going to show it for the sake of time. All right. But the well exists to uh, uh, exalt disciples send, we say. What does it look like for us to exalt Jesus more, to be gospel-centered or Christ-centered? How can we be and make disciples? And how can we live sent lives and as a church send others for the beauty of the gospel? How does your part play in that? Realize that in playing your part, you're making uh, eternal significance and difference. Friends, this impacts eternity. This is serious. We need you to be a part of the body, okay? I say this every week, and I mean this. I love you guys a lot. I'm super, super thankful that three and a half years ago, a little ragtag team of 11 people have come together to start creating this. I see it. I see the beauty in it. Like I see God putting the places together in such beautiful ways. Man, let's keep pressing then. Let's keep pressing because the kingdom of darkness would have that all would perish. Let us be beacons of light into this world, friends. Let us press back the kingdom of darkness in any way that we can, even though we're just a tiny little, tiny little drop in the bucket amongst the kingdom of God as a whole. Let's be a great splash in that bucket. And let's push back the kingdom of of darkness and bring forth the kingdom of God that he may be made famous. Thank you guys for loving me, for serving the church well. Keep doing it and be advocates, not just for the well, but for the church holistically, that Christ may be glorified. I love you guys. Let's pray.